Welcome to Sing, Coach, Conduct, the podcast for singers and singing teachers. Hello, singers and singing teachers. Welcome to Sing, Coach, Conduct. My name is Megan Ferrison, and I'm your host. I'm really excited to introduce this series, The Choir Director as Vocal Coach. I've been a choir director for 13 years and a private voice instructor for 17, and I have a passion for uniting those two roles to provide the best experience for my singers as individuals and for the whole ensemble. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you had one semester of vocal pedagogy in school, and so everything I learned was from my own voice teacher in college or from giving lessons. One of the best things I did as a teacher early on in my career was to offer summer lessons to students who were interested because that gave me an opportunity not only to help them individually, but to help build my program into something stronger because I was working with those students and Um, it made my piano skills better. So I would highly recommend taking on a couple of students if you're able to when you have those summer breaks. I believe that the biggest tool for recruitment is quality. Quality of your teaching, your knowledge, your communication, and what your students are producing. People want to be a part of something great, and they will be drawn to your program when they see results. And when your students are proud of what they're doing, they're going to share that with others, and they're going to invite others to be a part of that. The more comfortable you can be with voice pedagogy, the more you can help your choirs to be successful, regardless of how many are in your choir. You don't have to have a a huge choir to sound great. You can focus on what you have and help those students grow, which will in turn attract others to your program. One of the best choirs I ever taught was a group of 14 eighth graders who were willing to work really hard. So why is voice placement so important? Well, we have personalities that are not one-dimensional, and we thrive in certain environments. Our voices are just like that. They have personalities, and no voice is exactly the same as the next. So it's important that we honor each student by making making the effort to listen to them as individuals. If we place students properly, it will foster growth and development. I would argue that two of the most important things you can do organizationally, voice placement and literature, choosing great music and then making sure your students can sing that music well is a formula for success. So instead of placing voices to fit the music you want to do, Choose music that fits the voices you have. What's wonderful about the age that we live in is that we have support groups on social media where we can ask about pieces from other teachers and see what was successful for them. I know that most classroom teachers have placed their students already this year and have begun to work on literature already, but you can keep this in mind for the future. And remember, don't be afraid to start over or rework things if you think it's in the best interest of the students. If you're a private voice teacher, You can use this information anytime. 
And there are times when I have listened to students at a semester break or at, at some kind of break during the year. Um, you can check in. You could get to talk to them, ask questions about how things are going. It is worth it to make time for that. I want to go back to uh, episode 11 when I interviewed Christy Miller and we talked about listening to students individually. If it is at all possible, find a way to do this. It is best to have a separate room so students don't feel self-conscious. But if that is not possible, I have pulled a piano into a corner of a room and I've listened to middle school students, high school students, and I had very few who were just entirely unwilling to sing. If you have an accompanist, you can ask them to be with your students while you're in another room, ask a parent volunteer for help, bake some cookies or brownies for a teacher friend. It is that important. First and foremost, it gives you an opportunity to connect to each student, to say hello to them and ask them how their day is going, to smile at them and offer some kindness where you might otherwise not be able to in a group setting with that individual. Become familiar with their voice, make notes about it, record it, whatever works for you. Then when you listen to them a semester later or a year later, you can comment on their growth. And please always find something positive to say when you listen to them. So getting to the nuts and bolts of the placement process, I will walk you through what I've done with my students and I would encourage you to see what works for you. If this helps you or you find a way to make it better, I would love for you to share that with me. First and foremost, greet them warmly. Um, It could be the most important thing that happens all day that a teacher is showing genuine interest in them. I tend to pick a simple warm up for my voice placement process. I do a five note scale starting from the top. I usually say to them, you can do da, la, ya, whatever you're most comfortable with. And then they just go. I tend to not start from the bottom and go up. Da, 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 da. Because it encourages untrained singers to drag the weight up and it can confuse the results. You can see how they approach the starting upper note, which will tell you more about where their voice naturally operates than if they start low and move upward. I start in a middle area and I work up until I hear they have reached the top of their usable range, and then I start back in the middle and work my way down. How do you know if they've reached their usable top? Listen for tightening or straining, compensating by singing louder to force the notes out. Don't take them so far that they feel like they're failing because you've taken them way above or below what they're capable of in that moment. What are you listening for? Number one, range. This one seems pretty obvious. What I want to mention is that it is only one piece of the puzzle. Just because a female has strong low notes below middle C doesn't mean she should be singing alto. In fact, a lot of sopranos will sound louder and heavier on low notes because they like the volume they can produce. Then they turn over into their mix or their middle voice. Those are the same things. They turn over and it lightens up a whole lot. So there's this big difference between the chest voice and the middle. And then as they move into their upper range, the voice builds in strength again. So those who do well in the alto section don't sound like they are forcing or pushing sound from the bottom to the middle. Their voice sounds healthy and natural in the bottom and middle. If they're pinching or closing at the top, it could be because their voice is not comfortable or they might be singing improperly. 
Most often, though, the ones who are placed in the soprano section have easy higher notes regardless of whether they are loud singers or soft singers. The next thing you're listening for is timbre or color. Just like played instruments have different sound qualities, a clarinet is reedy and mellow, and a tuba is hearty and robust, voices have qualities, and sopranos and tenors have different voice qualities than basses and mezzo-sopranos who are placed in the alto section. I will sometimes say pop quiz to my choirs, and I will ask them the difference between the part they sing in choir and the voice type they have. Alto is not a voice type. It is a part you sing in a choir, which is confusing. And uh, and so I do kind of try to bring that up every once in a while. So mezzo-sopranos are capable of singing soprano parts depending on how they're built. But mezzo-sopranos tend to sing the alto part. And contrary to something I've heard multiple times, not all high school females are sopranos. Yes, most of us can sing all of the same notes, but we don't sound or feel the same singing them. The next thing you want to listen for is the break or passaggio. Those are the same things. Break is what we tend to call it in our common vernacular, but passaggio is the technical term for it, which means the passageway between two voices or two registers. So as your students are singing, you want to listen for the harshest break that they have. Women tend to have two breaks, uh, the first between the chest voice and the mix, and the second between the mix and the head voice. And again, anytime I say mix, you can replace that with middle voice, whatever you are most comfortable using. Men tend to have one between the chest and head, and young singers can sometimes want to carry that chest voice up until it sounds like a yell, which obviously isn't healthy. So we want to place singers on the part where they tend to travel through their easiest break. So for sopranos, that tends to be their second passaggio between the middle and the head voice where those parts are usually written. If they're having to switch between their chest and their middle, they're going to get frustrated and it's going to cause stumbling blocks for their vocal development. The last thing I would offer is something I like to call the shine in the voice. So where does the voice display the most natural brilliance and resonance? This is not where the voice is necessarily the loudest, but that can be the case because when things are set up properly, you tend to get an increase in volume because they're not having to work as hard to produce sound. So really listen for where your students' voices shine. Leave the door open for students to communicate with you. This can be really scary to invite students to say, hey, I'm concerned about the part I'm on. But if you put in the work of placing them according to their individual needs, this generally isn't an issue. Yes, if you were wondering, some students can alternate between parts, but most often, even young voices need to be placed in on certain parts so that they can develop and thrive. So once you have your students placed, ask them to look for things like fatigue, soreness, discomfort or frustration with the break. Empowering your students to understand their voices will be a lifelong gift you can give them. So... You've done your work, you've placed them the best that you can, and in most cases, you've probably done a really good job, but there's always that chance that you miss something or their voices are continually changing when they're young, 
And that is one of the reasons you really need to be listening to them at least on an annual basis. This can be overwhelming at first, but keep at it and you will get better and faster. You can do this. If you have questions or want to share a story or something you've tried, feel free to email me at thesingingconductor at gmail.com. I really hope this information is helpful to you. Remember, what you do matters. You are making a difference in the world. Just keep going and growing. Thank you for listening to Sing Coach Conduct. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the show by clicking the subscribe button.